All right, we're gonna, we've been in a series called Abounding in Love, and you know, it's Christmas season, and love's, you know, pretty appropriate topic. Uh, it's always appropriate topic, but, uh, you know, during this time, that's the whole reason Jesus came. But let's look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12. That's a verse that we started with. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12. It says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Verse 12 says, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another, and to all. This is a prayer that we can pray that we would increase and continue to increase in love and just abound. That means just overflow in love. In the Amplified, it says, may the Lord cause you to increase and excel and overflow in love for one another and for all people. Uh, Philippians 1 verse 9 says, in this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, that in being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In the Amplified Classic, it says, this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more and extend to its fullest development in knowledge, in all keen insight, that your love may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment. And like we said, that word abound, it means to present, to be present in large or great, large numbers or great quantity. It means to be prevalent. So when you're talking about something abounding, it's not just talking about a little bit, it's talking about a lot. It's talking about it being amply supplied. It means to burst, to overflow, to bulge. Some opposites are lack, need, want. So if you're abounding in something, you're not in want of it. You have plenty of it. And uh, let's look at 1 John 4, 7. We said love represents God in any situation. God is love. So love represents true God love. You know, God, the God kind of love, because there is... People call love all kinds of things. We're going to get into that tonight a little bit. But true God kind of, the, the God kind of love, agape, the Greek word is, it represents God in every situation, under any circumstance. First John 4, verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So you can see right there, verse 8 says, he who does not love does not know God. Well, people would call love, they would say, well, I'm loving. And they wouldn't say that they would know the God. They may not even believe in a God, but they would say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in love, though, or I, I am doing actions of love. The Bible says, he who does not love does not know God. <clears throat> That means it's talking about the God kind of love. So if you're not actually doing uh, what the Bible would call love, then you don't know God. It says, for God is love. So you can see 
True love can only be obtained and can only be walked in if you know God who is love. In other words, people can call all kinds of things love. And not every word even in the Bible is agape, the God kind of love. There's different words for it. But when we're talking about God's love, who He is, well, there's only one source for that. People can have all kinds of ideas. Well, I think this is love. That doesn't matter. If God is love, He, by definition, is what love is, and the Bible tells us what it is. Uh, Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. We read these verses. We're going to go through some of this and then get into some, to some more. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 says, Though I speak with the tongue of, tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a, a clanging cymbal. So even though I'm speaking eloquently, but if I don't have love, I've just become noise. Verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So love and operating in love is paramount. For the Christian, it's not a side thing. It is the main thing. You can't, you can't walk after God without walking in love because God's love. Uh, let's go then in verse 4, but we're going to switch to the Amplified Classic because these are it's just more clear here. <clears throat> Not going to go necessarily in these things in real depth tonight. We went over some of this last week. Uh, but I want, want us to look at this in getting into what we're going to, um, the, the next things we're going to get into here. Uh, verse 4, love endures long and is patient and kind. So this is giving us a picture of God because God is love, giving us a picture of His kind of love, telling us what it looks like. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. Now, as we're going through these, I just want you to be just, uh, you know, getting a picture of what love looks like. These are good verses I like the Amplified Classic specifically for these verses. I've looked at this in a lot of other translations. Um, I like it in some other translations, but it just doesn't, for me, doesn't wear well as well over time as this one. This is my favorite, and I have this printed, have for a long time. Uh, you know, printed in, in the, the scriptures I go through, and I'll just go through that and read this and go over it. It's just a good checkup. It's a good reminder and, and a good picture of what love is and what it looks like. So let's go back to verse 4. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. Verse 5, it is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and it does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, it is, for it is not self-seeking, it is not touchy or fretful or resentful, it takes no account for the, for, of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Verse 6, it does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. 
love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person, its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. So this gives us a picture of love. We know God is love. We know that love represents God in every situation. So, well, before we go one, one step further, I want to read one more verse. Romans 13, verse 8. Let's look at that because we, we covered this last week. Then we'll make some comments. Romans 13, verse 8. All these scriptures we've gone over at other times. It says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And we read that last week, went over a number of scriptures, uh, not going to take time to go over all of them, that say the same thing uh, in a lot, um, number of scriptures in this area, talking about the fact that love fulfills the law. Love is doing what's right in every situation, so it fulfills the Old Testament law. The Old Testament law was given to people that weren't born again, so they need to, the, the law was given so that there would be a standard and show what sin is, but love surpasses that and will always do more than whatever the law says. In, in other words, if you walk in love, you won't have any problem breaking the law. You know, the law, just like some, what some of these um, statements here says, say, you know, you shall... Verse 9, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal. Those are all in the Ten Commandments. Well, if you love somebody, you're not going to steal from them. If you love somebody, you're not going to murder. You're, you're not going to commit adultery. So love supersedes any of that. The, the law was given to people that didn't have God's love on the inside of them. And so we went into that in depth. So love is right. Love is what God would do. In any situation, love is God. God is love. So, and we just read these, these uh, scriptures in, or the, the verses in 1 Corinthians, just giving us a picture of love. So what I want to do, you know, and get into this a little bit, is just go through some examples from in what Jesus did, and, you know, so, uh, in a couple other areas, and just... Look at some of the things Jesus did and know Jesus, he is God and he fulfilled all righteousness and he was walking in love all the time. And we're going to look at a, you know, a couple other people as well, but Acts in the Bible and look at them and know they, they were walking, these, these, these actions were in love. But in our day and age, people have gotten such a warped and twisted idea of what love is and, by association, what Christianity is. 
and what Jesus would do if he were in a situation. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, Jesus didn't preach that. He preached love or tolerance and acceptance. That's not true. And, and what, what happens is people will try to put off their idea of what they want to be doing and say, you should accept this. And if you do, that's, that's, you're showing love to me. Basically, people's idea sometimes of love is basically tell me I'm doing okay. If you tell me, if you accept what I'm doing or pat me on the back and you're okay with where I'm at and just love me, quote unquote, like I am, that's love. Now, it's true. God accepts us where we're at. He has to he loves us where we're at, I should say, but that doesn't mean he condones everything we do and, and puts a stamp of approval on it and says, you're awesome right where you are. That is so prevalent that even as I'm saying that, people will go, well, but there's this song or whatever. Yeah, Jesus, you just accept me. He, 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 he's, he died for you where you are at. Jesus paid the price for us. It says when we were dead in trespasses and sins. But that doesn't mean that he puts a stamp of approval on everything and anything and just says to humanity, it's all good. Are you okay? So when we're dealing in love, people have got an idea with Christianity that love is just basically, I just, whoever I'm around, if I just say, hey, you're awesome, then I'm in love. And if they're, they're messing up or if they're being mean to me, as long as I just bear with them, then I'm in love. That's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches us to do. That's, there, there's a whole lot of the Bible. God is love, but he doesn't just say everything is okay. And he doesn't, um, he, he doesn't put his stamp of approval on things that would be opposed to his work. You wouldn't do that. If you loved somebody, a family member, that wouldn't mean that you would put up with any, any kind of thing being done to them. Mm-hmm. Think about it that way. If you have a son or a daughter or sibling, mother, if you just say, well, I just love everybody. Okay, well, that means somebody can treat your, your, your child just whatever way, but you just put up with it. Is that, well, I'm loving the other person. No, you're not. You're not loving your son or daughter or your, your, your spouse, or whoever, if you love somebody, that means you automatically are against other things. You, you would be against anything that would hurt them. So, let's go, let's go to, um, let's just look at 1 John 4, verse 9 real quick. This is with the passage of Scripture that we, this is actually the next verse after it, the Bible says God is love. It says, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. If we go back to verse 9, in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. So that's how the love of God was manifested toward us. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So that's love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. So we know that's the prime example of love. 
And we've gone over that some. What Jesus did on the cross is love. There was no selfishness in it. It was absolutely for our good. Now, he did it when we were completely sinners. We had nothing to offer. So that is an act of love. Look at Luke 23, 33. As Jesus is on the cross, it says, And when they had come to the place called Calvary, 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 there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. So he is showing love. They crucified him. We have no clue uh, experientially what that would be like. We can read about it, and if you've ever read about it or heard what actually goes on during that and what happens physically to the body and the different stages, it's horrible. Now, that other people had that same death. These people that were hanging there with him faced the same death. That wasn't unprecedented, but he did that for us. He took the scourging, and the real punishment or the real um, thing that was the worst part about it was that then he was separated from God. But he's saying on the cross, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. That's love. He is laying down his life. He is. They're, they're spitting on him. They mocked him. They scourged him, beat him unrecognizable, uh, crucified him, and yet he says, forgive him. Because why, is he, why did he come to earth? For us. This is the whole reason he came. So this is showing, yes, love, unconditional love, laying down his life for Humanity. Acts 6, verse 8, just look real quick. Stephen, um, this is an example of, a, of one of Jesus' followers, disciples, after the fact, you know, Jesus has gone on, but, you know, a Christian, and did, he, he basically laid his life down as well. Let's just look real briefly. Verse 8 says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Verse 10, And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit which he spoke. He, he's speaking to these people. Verse 11, Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Verse 12, And they stirred up the people and the elders and scribes, and they came and seized him and brought him to the council. So then they, they're accusing him and saying, Stephen's done all this stuff. Then if you jump down to uh, chapter 7, verse 1, the high priest goes back to Stephen after he's been accused and says, Are these things so? So they're, they're falsely accusing him. They got people to falsely accuse him. Then they go back to, then they, they bring all these accusations and then they come back to Stephen, are these things so? And then he launches into this uh, sermon, basically. He's preaching to them and going through the truth and going through what Jesus did and, and talking to him. And he talks very strongly with them. And for all that then, they stone him. He goes and preaches the truth to him, and that's a pretty long passage of Scripture, but if you go to Acts 7, verse 59, that whole portion in uh, chapter 7, it says, And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. So they are stoning him. That's another horrible death. 
Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So here's a man. He is attempting to get the truth of God to people. They slander him. They make false accusations. And they stone him for that. And when he is dying, he said, Lord, charge him not, don't charge him with this. Just like Jesus. Okay, everybody would say, that's love. Yes, that guy, I mean, he is, he is it, he's not acting in his own self-interest. You don't go out for a stroll in the afternoon to get stoned because that's what you, how you want your day to end up. He is trying to help these people, and they stone him. And even after, when they're killing him, he's still saying, he's not mad. He's not going, God, strike them dead right now. I tried to tell them. I tried to preach to them, and they won't listen. Kill them all. He said, don't charge them. So you can see he's motivated by love. Everybody would say, that's love. Now let's look at, at John 8, verse 1. Just going through uh, uh, just some examples. We would say, yeah, th that looks like love. John 8, verse 1. Another pretty familiar passage. It says, but Jesus went to the, to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came into the temple, and all the people came to him and sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Verse 7, And when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, Who, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then the, those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are your, those accusers of, hers, of yours? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So this is another example. People will say, that's love. Jesus, you know, she was messed up. She came. I mean, yes, they're, they're accusing her. You know, where is the guy that she was with? We don't see him. They're obviously setting Jesus up. They're not really concerned with justice. They just want to mess, with, mess up Jesus. They're not concerned with the woman. And she's caught up in this. She definitely messed up. But you see mercy here. You see, he's not condemning her, even though she's clearly wrong. doesn't matter that she's, she's still wrong. And he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And that would be, see, Jesus is compassionate. He is compassionate. This is love. And that would be an example uh, of him acting in love. Let's look at Matthew 23, 27. <clears throat> 
Matthew 23, 27. Now, this is the same Jesus. Verse 27, he's talking to the Pharisees. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear to be righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Does this sound nice? Does this sound sweet? Does this sound what most people would say? Oh, that's, just, that's loving. Isn't that sweet? You know, if, you was, if, if this were being texted, it'd have a bunch of heart emojis and maybe some of those ones with the heart swirling around the head and it'd be like, oh. Is that what that sounds like? Verse 29 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, If we had lived in the day of our, days of our fathers... We, had not, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Verse 31, Therefore you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Verse 32, Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, blood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? This is Jesus. This is love. Is God love? Is Jesus God? <laughs> this, he's walking in love right now. This is, this is what love can look like. Can it? Evidently. Verse 34, Therefore indeed I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, that on that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of the righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you have murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. He is actually trying to cut through their hardness, get through them, and tell them, you have acted like this, and they, he's saying prophets will be sent to you, wise men, scribes, to try to wake you up. But even this is not hard enough to cut through. But this is love. And a lot of people would say, that's mean. You should not talk to any person that way. But somebody should tell Jesus that. You see, in our society, you cannot... You, you can't say anything against what anybody wants to do, it's like everything should be okay for them. As long as they think it's okay, it's just okay. And to call it out is mean. And it's definitely not loving. Love would be just, hey, it's cool. You want it? Oh, man, I love you. To each his own. You know, you got to be you. It's all right. Love you. That's not what Jesus is doing here. But what we just got done saying about the way a society asks, that, that's not love. If, you see, if somebody is hurting themselves, is somebody doing something against God, and just to pat them on the back and say, good job, that's not love. Now, you got you to determine how you're going to... Love is going to be, 
what, how can you get through to them? In this case, Jesus is doing the right thing. He has the floor. He has the ability to speak to them. He is a prophet of God, and he's speaking to them under, on, on God's authority and saying what needs to be said because they are going to act wrong. They, they are not, unless they change, they're going to hell. And most of them did. And a few of them, we see the, the scribes and stuff, they, they came to their sentence, senses, you see different ones. But this idea that somehow, uh, you know, if you're a Christian, you just, you got to be, you got to really tread lightly. You can't ever, you can't ever call right, right, wrong, wrong, because you know, somebody might be offended and we can't hurt anybody's feelings because especially not now, I mean, that would be wrong. And, and you know, we don't want to turn them away from God. We don't want to offend them. That's not, that's not love. That's not the Bible. You know, we got to look at in our own relationships, uh, not just, love is not the defect. Well, you know, as long, if I just, I just be okay with the other person and I don't want to ruffle anything, that's okay. You know, that's love. Well, then somebody could steamroll you, not love you at all, and some people have the idea, I have to do that because I'm a Christian and I don't want to, I, I just don't want to, you know, trouble the waters. Well, that's not love. They're not loving you. If somebody else that loved you were watching it, they may very well say, I love you too much to let that happen. They wouldn't think that's love. We have to judge love by what the Bible says, not by men's ideas. Love is not wishy-washy. It's not ooey-gooey. It doesn't put its stamp of approval on things that aren't godly. God loves us where we're at, but He expects us to come up and grow, and He doesn't condone things that aren't right, that are going to hurt us especially. John 2, verse 13. You guys Okay. So we know, I mean, it, it's pretty easy to see. When, when something lines up with what uh, the Christ-like character, it's easy to see that is love. You, it doesn't have to be in the Bible. You know, it can be an act of selfless kindness. You know, you talk about uh, during the Christmas season, you can see people that get in the quote-unquote Christmas spirit. All that is is the spirit of God. That's acting like God. That's acting in love. It's pretty easy to identify that pure pure type of, uh, when, it, when it looks like Jesus, in that way, laying down selfless, that's easy to identify. But the, it's gotten so muddled with everything else that beyond that, it's like, well, it's just got to be this wishy-washy, just anything goes, and that's love, and that's not love. And that's where our society has gotten really muddled and affects everything. Verse 13, John 2, verse 13 says, Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Verse 14, And when he found in the temple those who sold ox, oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business, when he had made a whip of cords, he drove them out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money, and overturned the tables. 
Now, we're, we've heard this, but think about, this is Jesus. He made a literal whip, and he drove out the people along with the sheep and, and oxen. Along with the animals, he's using that whip, at least in the general direction of people, to get them to move. And not only that, he's taking tables and throwing them over, overturning them. It said, he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my house a house of merchandise. In Mark 11, verse 16, it says, And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, It is not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Or is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. So Jesus literally made a whip literally drove people out of the temple and literally overturned tables. Was he walking in love or was he just being a bully? Because people today would go, he's bullying those guys. He's a big bully. How dare he? Is that right or not? He can't talk to those people. Where's the respect? Well, where's the respect for God? That's what he said. You, my, it's written, my house shall be a house of, called a house of prayer. See, people will tell you in today's day and age, oh, well, you're not loving, and they don't love God whatsoever. Disregard him, disregard what's right, support things that are abomination to God, and then will you know, attempt to lecture Christians saying, well, you're being mean. In fact, so much of what's in the Bible now is getting to the place where, well, that's, you know, that's hate. Jesus is hate? See, that's warped. That's the devil. Calling good evil, evil good. Jesus is right here. He's zealous for the right thing. And he's, he's very forceful here. But he's right. If you take this out of context, take it out of the Bible and put this illustration into our society, people would be like, that guy's a loony. He's doing the wrong thing, but they're wrong. He's right. So that means our mentality of what ooh, love is wrong a lot of times. Love is not acceptance. Love is not just whatever. It, it's not whatever needs to be done to make peace. Because Satan will, buy, will play that game. It's just that whatever, you're the one that's going to compromise. You, you, you move. You, you, you condone, evil will say, condone what I'm doing so that we can live at peace. You guys okay? 1 Corinthians uh, 5, verse 1. Last one. This is Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, this is the same book. This is chapter 5 of the book that 1 Corinthians 13 is in. You, you, do you think the Apostle Paul lived what he believed or not? Or is he just, you know, he's just about to write a bunch of stuff that had nothing to do with what's going on here? 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter we, we started out reading. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1 says, it is actually reported 
that there is, a, is, a, is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. So in other words, a man is now shacked up with his father's now wife, which is his stepmother. Verse 2, And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned, and he who has done this deed, that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. So I said, you're arrogant about it. You're actually arrogant about the fact that you have somebody in the church that is doing this. Why would you be arrogant about it? Because you think you have a, a, a revelation of God's love and grace that everybody else doesn't. You think we love so much that we'll, 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 we'll deal with this and we're just loving them. And Paul's rebuking them for it and saying, this should not happen. And you're arrogant about the fact that this is happening. Why are you letting it happen? But in today's age, this would be like, well, we're just loving them. We got to bring them to Jesus. Or, you know, they're already in the church. We just got to love them because maybe they'll change. That's not what this is saying. It's not love. You are puffed up, verse 2, and, and, and have rather, not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. Verse 3, For I indeed, as absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who has done, so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 5, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. As you see, verse 5, he's saying, I've already judged what should happen here. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? He's saying, you let this go, this is going to get everywhere. But verse 5, he's saying, deliver this person. He said, basically, get him out. That, if you go back to yeah, verse 5, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved. See, people would say, this is hard. I can't believe you would say, you know, push somebody away that's doing this. That doesn't, that's just, that's not loving. Paul is the one that wrote what love is just a few chapters later. And he is actually saying, if this guy doesn't course correct, he's not going to only lose his flesh, he's going to hell. He's saying that his spirit may be saved, and he's saying, this need, you need to deal with this so that this man can be okay. That is love. He is actually motivated by this man's well-being. That doesn't look like a lot of what people would call love. They say, oh, you're going to hurt the guy's feelings. Well, his feelings are going to be hurt if he wakes up in hell. You okay? (laughs) It's so, love is, is, is this word that people throw around and when, when you look through the Bible, I mean, these are only just a few examples. Love is just not this, what, what our, our day and age presents it to be. Love is doing what God would do 
in a situation. Doing what's right for the person and for other people. You know what happens to me? Well, we can't hurt your feelings, so what? Everybody's got to suffer because we got to cater to you? That's not love. So we'll say, well, we can't hurt your feelings, so what? Now the whole classroom has to deal with your lack of self-control. That's what people will not correct some child. Tell them to deal with what they do because we don't want to hurt their feelings. So now everybody has a problem concentrating because somebody, you know, we, we don't want to hurt their feelings. We want to tell them that they need to, to change. That's not love. That's not love for the child. That's not love for everybody else. So when, as we're walking through our life, we can look at 1 Corinthians 13, look at those bullets, and look at the different examples in the Bible and say, God, when you, when you approach a situation, Lord, what should I do? We want to do what love would do. But we have to get rid of misconceptions about what love is, and it doesn't default to, well, you know, I probably just got to pull back. I probably just got to shut down. I probably just got to, don't want to say the wrong thing. Not necessarily. We have to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? How do I, how do I deal with this person? How do I work with this? Well, it's going to be love, but it may be that we have to actually say something that's uncomfortable for us, but it's the right thing for them, for us, for everybody around. It may be that you have to challenge some behavior. In love, speaking the truth in love, that doesn't mean you be rude, but what is, it doesn't mean it's not assertive. You know, when we deal with family, when we deal with people in, in the workplace, sometimes you have to, in the workplace, sometimes you have to deal with something that is uncomfortable for you to deal with because the other people in the office are uncomfortable already, and you're going to have to deal with something that needs to be taken care of, and it's going to be uncomfortable for that person, it's going to be uncomfortable for you, but if you don't do it, and you say, well, I just don't want to hurt their feelings, everybody else knows it, everybody else is dealing with it every day, and they're just waiting for you to deal with it because you're the one in charge. That's love, loving the person, getting them on track, and loving the other people. Love is uncomfortable at times, but it will always prevail. If it's truly love, it will always work. In the example we read in 1 Corinthians, that worked out. When you read, then it resolved and the guy was received back. But God's way is always right. We just got to make sure... Uh, you know, our, our view of what His way is is not tainted by people's ideas and people's philosophies and things that are actually uh, not inspired by God at all. Amen? There's always an answer. There's always a right way. Thank God.